I'm Adam Rappaport. Welcome to the Bon Appetit Foodcast. Today, we are going deep on our April issue, Cook Like a Pro, where we sent eight editors around the country to get schooled by some of their favorite chefs on the most iconic of dishes. And today, we'll be joined by one of those chefs who will share his secrets on making the perfect salad. Then later on, we will be patched through to Los Angeles, California to actor Ike Barinholtz from The Mindy Project. Um, we sent Ike on kind of an insane mission to Las Vegas for our April issue, and we're going to connect with Ike and see how he survived that lunatic assignment. But first, joining us now is Bon Appetit Senior Food Editor, Allison Roman. Allison, welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you. All right. And our special guest, Joshua McFadden from Ava Jean's Restaurant in Portland, Oregon. Joshua, how are you doing? Wonderful. Thanks for having me. All right, Joshua, so we are talking salads today, and I guess ever since Ava Jean's was named one of Bon Appetit's 10 best restaurants in 2013, you've kind of been our in-house like salad maestro, our vegetable guy. The vegetable guy, the whisperer, right? Yeah. How did that, have you always just been kind of a vegetable dude, or how'd that come about? Well, it certainly wasn't intentional. I think it was, uh, they're just fun. I mean, that's a really ridiculous thing to say, but there's just so many colors, textures, uh, beautiful flavors that... I just have always been really attracted to it. Yeah, and I think eating at your restaurant, um, I don't want to sound corny, but your 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 salads and your vegetable preparations really just sort of jump off the plate, like at least visually and texture-wise. Like there's just, they feel so sort of dynamic and vibrant. Allison, you've been to the restaurant, yes? I have had my fill of vegetables. But you don't get that filled up, though. That's the amazing no, thing. Well, you, I mean, you really could make an entire meal out of it. You don't even need people do. anything else. Yeah, and I just love the fact that, you know, you are not a vegetarian restaurant, but you are a sort of vegetable-friendly or vegetable-centric restaurant, which is great. And you have grilled meats and all sorts of delicious stuff. But what we've talked about when we did a story the first time in pasta is that, uh, uh, in our 2013 Hot 10 issue is that there's so many great vegetable sides. You could order one sort of protein and then three or four or five cool little vegetable dishes to go with that. Exactly. And is that how you sort of designed the menu and thought about it that way? I mean, when you look at the menu, it's a really traditional Italian float. And then the Giardini garden section is where all the vegetables are. And that just came to be. I had, it wasn't trying to be cool. It wasn't anything. I spent a lot of time working on a farm in Maine after I left New York and uh, just kind of had more of an understanding and, and knew that it wasn't just going to be like, here's a leaf salad and here's this. It was like, well, here's every vegetable that I can actually get my hands on and let's figure out how to make something great with it. Yeah. And that just kind of happened. All right. So for our April 2015 Cook Like a Pro issue, we bring you back into the fold to teach us how to build a better salad. It's interesting. I remember a year ago when being in Portland for this hot 10 dinner we did uh, at Feast Portland, our food festival there. Um, and there's like six chefs like John Tabato, Rachel Yang, Aaron Silverman from Roses Luxury in DC, the number one restaurant last year, Ari Tamar from Alma in LA, the number one restaurant two years ago, Philip Krajek from Rolf and Daughters, all these courses. And what I remember most was this awesome salad you made and brought around this giant wooden bowl. Do you remember what it was? Uh, <laughs> this is not a trick question. That's so funny. Um, did it have the mountain rose apples in it and the guanciale yep. and the yep. peanuts? And yeah. peanuts, exactly. Super and, Italian, And obviously. red celery. Red celery, yeah. That's another thing is like having things grown for us. Like I worked on a farm, so being able to be like, hey, I like this and this and try it out and actually get it to work, which was really fun. So that red celery was something that we had grown for us for that dinner. What we were just interested in, in learning from you in terms of how to cook like a pro, um, 
you know, how do you, how do you think about a salad like that? What are the building blocks? I think most of us think of like lettuce, tomato, onions, or whatever. Um, you obviously take a different approach. So, in terms of building a salad like that, what are, what are the what's the thought process? What are the building blocks? Um, I mean, it's definitely texture um, for sure. I mean, because you have celery and you have. Um apples that are kind of like doing a similar thing and then it's just kind of like bouncing off of the bitters and the sweets and kind of pulling in cues of whether it's fat from the guanciale or crunch from the nuts and that earthiness as well and just kind of pushing all those things they all kind of have similar flavors so i always love to build on that same idea but just keeping them really simple and there's always an element of some herb whether it's simple as parsley or mint um, often, and then scallion or red onion in some form. What I always love in salads is uh, celery leaves also. Mm, oh, the best, yeah. If you're if you're doing a celery salad, which a lot of restaurants do right now, which I think is just so crisp and fresh tasting, throw in a, take all those leaves, which I think people typically ignore. Allison, are you a big salad maker at home of this sort? I pretty much exclusively make salads at home like that. But, you know, to Joshua's point, it doesn't mean it's like a bowl of lettuce leaves with a dressing on it. I sort of... You know, I'll throw in a grain if I have it. I'll throw in toasted nuts if I have it. Um, you know, and salads don't have to be vegetarian. I think that's something that is really appealing about Ava Jean's and the menu there is that while it is vegetable forward, there are, uh, he incorporates meat as sort of, not as a condiment, but, you know, as a different flavor component. Yeah, you said, so there, was there a crispy pancetta in that? Mm-hmm. or Yeah, yeah rendered on crispy, yeah. And sort of like a, a modern take on bacon bits. Yes, <laughs> you said it. <laughs> I said it. But you know what you said in our Cook Like a Pro issue? You said... Layer your salads like nachos. Start with the sturdiest produce, add thinly sliced veg, then nuts, herbs, and cheese. And I think what's interesting, if you look at this beautiful spread in the magazine, it's not on a salad bowl, it's on a platter. And and the ingredients literally are layered like a tray of nachos. And can you explain to us why you go with the platter and not just toss together in a big bowl necessarily? Uh, well, the nacho thing is, it's, that's funny. I didn't really think that was going to be in here. But, <laughs> <clears throat> my, cooks will love, my cooks will love to make fun of me because I, I do. I say that. I mean, it's, it, it is. It makes sense. You know, it's like we've all had great nachos and, and we more often than not have bad nachos because you grab a chip and it has nothing on it. That's like 80% of nachos in the world. So I just think that like <laughs> when you're layering up, you're, you're, you're fighting the same thing. You're just putting in all these different things here, there, 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 and here. And it's all the things that are in the salad. I've never wanting every bite to be the same, but I'm wanting every bite to be interesting. It's kind of like the grain bowl mentality where you can mix it all together, but to have each bite, like, okay, you get a carrot and some cheese, and then you have, you know, the dressing with the lettuce and mm-hmm. maybe like a nut and another bite. And Yeah, and this out in, in, in the magazine, you have Little Gem, which is a, it's a lettuce, but it's got a lot of sort of crispiness and bite to it. You have hazelnuts, you have sort of carrot ribbons or sort of julienne long carrots mm-hmm. beautifully. Um You've got some smashed garlic, some cheese. What kind of cheese you got in there? Sorvecchio. It's kind of like a Parmesan-y yeah, sharp Yeah, it's sort the closest of. we've ever come to a Parmesan in this country, actually. I think it was the Where first. Where is it from? Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Nice. I think it was the first cheese that the Italians were like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could do that with mozzarella. Wouldn't that be great? But And let's talk about the, you do a very interesting dressing for this one. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about that? Yep. It was straight up stolen. Um uh, inspired by, I should say. But uh, <laughs> when I was uh, working and living in Rome at the American Academy in Rome, I had on my uh, lunch uh, menu recipe for the day from the chef was to make this lemon cream, and it was just infusing in the garlic uh, into cream and then taking that out and then whipping in lemon juice. And it was just kind of like that one of those aha moments. And like I a- think it goes back to Chez Panisse. That's where I think. And it's like a whipped cream. Yeah, and then, and then you can just thin it out, coat, and then add more lemon juice and add 
olive oil to that. And it's just a real, I mean, it's really light actually, but the flavor that you can get out of it is incredible, especially with infusing it with garlic or shallots mm-hmm. or chilies or whatever you want to do. Uh, but you also talk about just if you're at home for more maybe home cook friendly um, about dressing a salad. And typically you say you don't like to make a sort of emulsified vinaigrette. You're, you like to just do it sort of layer by layer, if you could explain that approach. Um, vegetables or salads or any of the things are always built about the ingredient itself, the best ingredients. So it's using the best vinegar or the best olive oil as well. Um, I love cat's olive oil and vinegar. I think it's the best that our country's ever made. So yeah, I, I just, I've always had this theory. I think it stems back from working at Franny's. We never really made vinaigrettes. We never really- Franny's t- in Brooklyn. Yeah. It's a very popular, Modern Italian restaurant, which modern rustic, artisanal, kind of California, kind of California. So, all right, so yeah, so the approach of just sort of doing the 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 acid and the oil. Yeah, so I I have this theory. I'd love to have a food scientist uh, test it out, but I I think there's enough acid that's in oils that's kind of fighting with the acid that's in a vinegar. So if you make your standard vinaigrette, I think you're just like, oh well, that's what it was supposed to be, and you don't really ever second guess it. So you're just you finding all these great ingredients, and then you're just like dump, 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 and then toss, toss, toss. Where I think if you actually start with a vinegar and salt and pepper and just do that thing, you can get it to taste where you actually don't even need olive oil. Mm. Like this perfect, because you're tasting the greens, it's really about the greens, and then there's some acid, this beautiful acid from cat's vinegar. And then if you get it to that point and then you add olive oil as an ingredient, you taste it more. But it's interesting if you take that approach of you want something crunchy, something crisp, something acidic, something fatty, and, and you can play with that seasonally, I guess, in terms of what's in season. And like, you know, coming up to spring and summer, you had one which was asparagus, cauliflower, almonds, and honey vinegar. You had zucchini, pine nuts, colatura, which is kind of a Italian fish sauce, and scallions, sugar snap peas, cucumber, spring onion, mint chilies. But it's like, I see those on a menu and I'm like, I wanna order that. Right. You know, and it's just, I imagine that's just take delicious things and put them together in a balanced way, I assume. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's always, a, I have really funny food memories as, I mean, we all do, but inspirations come uh, not as much from Italy, but more from like Mexico and, and Thai, to be honest. I mean, like the zucchini salad you're talking about is like a green papaya salad basically with zucchini and, um, that cauliflower salad you're talking about is, is kind of mimicking couscous. So it's raw cauliflower that we buzz up and then... So raw. it gets all crumbly almost? Mm-hmm. I've seen chefs do that. It's really yeah, cool. Yeah, it's really fun and it's a really great vehicle to just like add in like pickled cherries and all these really fun herbs and all that type of stuff. So it's uh, uh, definitely not really looking to Italy, which is a weird thing to say, but it, it's kind of true. Right? There's just there's a lot of um, things that we do at the restaurant that they wouldn't do in Italy, but I, it, all the ingredients are from where I'm from. So it's like, why wouldn't I have a... In the fall, a salad with melons and and squid and hazelnuts. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world, and people love it. But it has nothing to do with Italy. Um, let's talk about seasoning a salad, which I think is something that probably a lot of home cooks don't do. When I go to friend's house, I'm like, did you put any salt on this salad? <laughs> well, again, it's like you know the olive oil thing. If they're dousing it in olive oil, you're tasting olive oil. You're not tasting salt, pepper. But I think people generally under season. Like criminally underseason their salad greens. Yeah. So when 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 do when you're making a salad, Joshua? When um, when do you season it, and are you constantly tasting it, or you season individual ingredients, or is it at the end, or how does that work? Uh, vinegar right away, mm-hmm. and then just kind of coat that, and then things will stick to that salt and pepper, and then just start tasting from that point on. After you start putting salt and pepper on, and then like I said, get it to that point where it just it's perfect basically by itself, and then a little bit of olive oil, and then toss that in. Let's talk about another sort of cook like a pro move, using your hands, which is also something that I think the home cook is like, I'm not allowed to touch the food. But as a professional chef, do you got to get in there? Yeah, I mean, like wash your hands. Just wash your hands. You have to. 
You should eat salads with, with your hands, too. I've started doing that like two years ago, and now I never use a fork. Best, I just pick right? little, yeah. like, oh, yeah. that looks great, and I combine that little nut and that cheese and make a little, like, lettuce. Nachos. A lettuce nacho <laughs> out of it, seriously. I thought it that is. was a bad habit that I picked up working no, in kitchens, but then I just do it all the time. I, I don't know why. I just started doing Like I said, a few years ago, I just intuitively started eating my salads. I have no idea why. I want to say, as a side note, when I, uh, I worked on the recipes that Joshua submitted for our 2013 issue. And that technique of seasoning layers one at a time totally changed like my personal life of making salads. Whoa. But just in the way, but you know, to more expand on it, but it's just like seasoning anything. Like you season a soup, you start at the beginning and then you season all the way through. Like tasting as you go, like building flavors. It's the same concept, but I never, it like totally changed my salad game. You trying to say you cook like a pro now? Yeah, cook like a pro, thanks. <laughs> All right, Joshua, before you go, though, however, we're going to hit you with our rapid-fire questions oh, wow. to send you on your way. Fantastic. Are, are you ready? I'm ready. Matcha or espresso? Espresso. What kind? How do you do it? Do you pull it yourself at the restaurant? No, I get Dwayne to make it. You get. <laughs> <laughs> he comes Dwayne. over just to make you run. I'm it sure. helps when your no, partner. I, I go to him. He does. <laughs> yes, when your partner runs Stumptown, yeah. uh, Dwayne Sorensen. It's that's a good that's a good answer. Uh, in and out or Shake Shack? Oh, yeah, tough one. I should have said that one for last. Shake Shack. Oh, wow! The West Coast guy goes with wow. This dates back to your New York days. No, this dates back to the the. The night after we were here with that Bon Appetit party, when we threw that after party. Oh, yeah. And then we had to go to the airport in the morning, and there was one there. Oh. And it saved my life. That's what I'm going back yeah. to. Yeah. For, for all you travelers out there, when you're flying out of JFK and the Delta five. Terminal 5, they've got Shake Shacks, and they also do breakfast uh, sandwiches in the morning. In and Out is great, though. I just, I really don't like their French fries. Yeah, the French fries are not good. Bad news. Yeah. I started the campaign. Just order another burger. It's unfortunate. They want to make them fresh and all that, but you got to twice fry them if you do it that way, and they're not going to do that. And yeah. Uh, martini, vodka, or gin? Gin. I like that. No question. Do you have a type that you prefer? Nope. Plymouth. Plymouth. All right. So <laughs> he's like, nope, Plymouth. <laughs> <laughs> breakfast or dinner or dinner for breakfast? Uh, breakfast or dinner. What would you have? What would I have? Um, I love uh, bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits. I'm not going to lie like my, one of my favorite things well who doesn't um this is kind of another iconic one crunchy or creamy really how do you decide between that uh well when you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich you have to decide crunchy yeah what about extra crunchy extra crunchy come on un-american oh they are right, a couple more this is actually a good spring one ramps or scapes Ramps. Wow. Ramps, just no question. No way. But garlic scapes look already cool. They have that little they kind of spear. Really cool. They look like a they devil's look, tail. They look really cool. They're hard to eat. Yeah, they're, they're, they're very hard. You know what they're decent, though? Do you ever grill them? Grill them. Because they soften up when you grill them. But grill ramps, them and then marinate them in the salsas and stuff. So good. That's, all right, so now all, all of a sudden now you're a scapes guy. No, I'm you a do. ramp guy. Uh, all right, last question on your way out the door. Butter or olive oil? Olive oil. All right, Joshua McFadden, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us on the Bon Appetit thank Food Cast. Thank you. All right, joining me now is Bon Appetit restaurant editor Andrew Knowlton and our special guest coming to us live over the Google chat room thingy. What's it called? Google? What's Andrew? What is it called? Google? You're asking the wrong person. I have no idea. <laughs> Google Hangout on yeah. live on a laptop. Actor Ike Barinholtz from Los Angeles, co-star of the Mindy Project. Ike, welcome aboard. 
Hi, how are you? I'm glad we can hang hang out Google style. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ike, you're the co-star of the Mindy Project, which is an awesome TV yeah. show. You also have an upcoming film with Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, Sisters. When when does that come out? Uh, that comes out uh, Christmas. I think the week before Christmas. So we still have a little bit of time on that. Okay, so you got the Mindy Project, you have Sisters, but more importantly, in the April issue of Bon Appetit magazine, you're the star slash writer of Chowing Las Vegas. And and the subhead of this article yeah. is, everyone wants to be a food critic, right? Well, we challenged Ike Barinholt to spend a weekend eating like one in Las Vegas. Here's his story of survival. Ike, did this piece almost kill you? It did. It did. I mean, it, there was a moment. There was a moment uh, at about 10 o'clock when I was on my, I don't even know how many drink, and I had eaten so much where my wife said, hey, remember, we still have to get pizza. <laughs> and there was a second where I was like, I, I think I'm just going to expire tonight. I think this is it for me. Um, but, guys, I'm not just an actor and a writer and, and uh, a food lover. I'm a hero. And what does a hero do in a situation like this? He, he pulls himself through. And he, he makes it happen. And, yeah, so that I'm, you know, people always say I support the troops. I want people to say they support me for this endeavor. <laughs> You know, Ike, I'll be honest with you. So Andrew here, he he does this for a living. He's constantly going to cities throughout the year to check out new restaurants, and he will eat five, six, seven meals a day. And and I think there was some almost a sadistic element to this piece. Like, Nolan, you kind of wanted someone else to appreciate what it is that yeah, you put your body through. I wanted through. somebody else to feel my pain because now I can call Ike and we can – bitch at each other about how bad this is because you i can't complain to the average person being like oh i had to go to vegas for three days and eat all this food but now ike and i have we can relate to each other and i feel comfort in yeah that. andrew andrew and i are bonded we basically are in the world's smallest fraternity yes <laughs> and we're not going to take any more members it's just us so sorry but yeah, so i know I-, I heard that andrew is able to do that thing which is he is literally he's able to take one bite of a dish and then move on. Is that true, Andrew? Are you able I, to do I, that? I have what's called a golden. Dish? I have a golden palate, and um, I just take one bite, and then it all kind of comes rushing into my head. All right, but Ike, that's that's not what you did. I'm sure you went in with the game plan, but in the piece you talk about day one, Saturday noon, you went to Carson Kitchen and you started yeah. your food crawl, and you were there for over 24 hours with gyro tacos and a plate of deviled eggs. What the hell were you thinking? Well, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like, I'm not, I wasn't thinking because they they knew what I was there for, so they were, like, uh, trying to be sadistic, and they brought out – I mean, you named two dishes. They brought out, I think, nine or ten. They brought out so much, and it was – you know, I, I my wife kept saying to me, the mantra of the day in the morning, the next morning was – Slow down. Remember what we're trying to do here. And it's just, I think I literally had food in my ears and I didn't hear her. <laughs> like, I get so deep into my food that I can't even hear people. It's, in it's the article, good. you refer to your wife, Erica Hansen, as a, quote, CPA type person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I do that. I do that for two reasons. One, to just protect where she actually works. And more importantly, I'm not sure what she does. <laughs> so Something's... it really protects her and myself. Well, just suffice to say that you're an actor and she's smart. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think that is the perfect term for our relationship. I, I'm, I make I make fart jokes and she um, deals with life. <laughs> All right, so you started your day with gyro tacos and deviled eggs and a lot more. And then yes. Knowlton sent you to O-Face Donuts for yeah. 
cinnamon toast crunch donut <laughs> filled with cereal milk custard at 1.30 p.m. I, I mean, that yeah, kind of sounds good. It, it also it, sounds like a lot. It was, it was, I mean, I really, for a second, I said to my wife, I was like, I don't think we can do the donut. She's like, no, 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 we got to do everything. And they handed it to me. And first of all, they put it in my hand, and the thing, it, it, it was like they put like a sword from Game of Thrones in my hand. It was so heavy, <laughs> and it was so dense. And, you know, I took a few bites, and my body right away was like, hey, man, you got to pump the brakes here for a second, okay? And I, so I couldn't even finish the donut. But it was delicious, but it was just too much. That was, so that, that was kind of, that was me being mean to Ike and just seeing, like, I wanted to break him in. It's kind of like, this is our fraternity. I had to haze him a little you bit. You wanted him to feel your Yeah, yeah I yes. wanted to see he if he could fall through. He was hazing me. At times it felt like I was in the Hunger Games. I was like Jennifer Lawrence and he was Donald Sutherland. Um... <laughs> But it really was more like a fraternity, and you haze your bro for a minute. Yeah. And then, yeah. you guys, then you guys join the club. But but then I will say, for the next stop, I gave him a golden ticket, and I sent him to Petrosian Bar at Bellagio for Ooh, tea yeah. and caviar. I mean, come on, bro. I hooked you up with some caviar there, right? Dude, dude, no. The, the donut was instantly forgotten because we, we walked to the Petrosian. And my wife, like, listen, I said it in the article, and – I am a definitely a man of the people, blue collar type of guy, but I will I will eat all the caviar. I'll eat it all. Dude, you're like a famous actor. You I would say maybe you're a two percenter, <laughs> but it's not like you're a fifty percenter. You're you're kind of up there, dude. Well, yeah, but but mentally, mentally, like I we I grew up I grew up you know middle class in Chicago, and I still try to have that. Plus, I have a huge gambling problem, so I'm always spending all my money. <laughs> So thank you for sending me to Vegas again. All right. For dinner that night, after cocktails, of course, at Oak and Ivy, um, you then ended Oak up at Ivy. Jose Andres' new steak restaurant, Bazaar Meat, where you had more caviar, suckling pig, and foie gras cotton candy. What the hell is foie gras cotton candy? Okay. Foie gras cotton candy is – it comes from the mind of a very brilliant but very disturbed person because <laughs> even though it, it works – as well as anything I've ever tasted, to think, to make that connection of those two, you need to be a, a, a psychopath, I think. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think you really need to have a psychotic type of mind to be like, oh, you know what I could do? Cotton candy and foie gras. And it just happens to work because he's a genius. Um, I think at that restaurant, by the way, which I've already sent like a dozen people to, I think they were expecting like nine or ten of us. <laughs> and they're and just, just you two. My wife and I and the photographer walked in. They walked <laughs> us into this gigantic private room. And they just started bringing out, I mean, it was, it, 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 that was definitely for me the uh, high point of the trip. That halfway through that meal, um, the, the, then it started going down because they kept bringing out food. And I was like, all right, we, we, I, I'm, I'm in trouble now. I think there was a photo that, that didn't run on in the story that will probably run online, and that was with your wife literally laying down on a banquette because she had thrown in the towel, right? <laughs> well, you, yeah, man. Well, you, yeah. Write, you write for it because you had a second dinner that night at Yusho, uh, an Asian restaurant from Chicago originally, right? Originally from yeah. Chicago. That's right. uh, it's been a few years old. Yeah. Um, it, you say yes, it was I, that- my, I just sent my father there, by the way. He loved it. Cool. Awesome. You say it was at this point my wife fell into a food coma. R.I.P. Meanwhile, <laughs> I ate tacos made from salmon skin and the best ramen yeah. ever at Yusho. It had every single yeah. ingredient on the planet in it. And so this was your yeah. second dinner. This was our second dinner. And it wasn't like we had Jose Andres at five and this at like midnight. You know what I mean? This was like they were, we went right from one to the other. 
And at, at, at Jose Andres, we were like, you know, laughing and talking and blah, blah, blah. And we were so high energy and, oh, this is so good. And then at, at Yusha, all of a sudden, it snapped. And it hit my wife like a ton of bricks. And she had to, as you saw in the photo, take a quick little siesta for a minute. Um, this is really where I am really proud of myself, where I really pulled through. This is, you know, you're coming towards the end. If, this is a, if, if the story was a movie, this is the end of the second act. And normally the hero is in great peril, but I just pushed through. And I ate, I mean, they brought out a ramen that just had, I mean, I think it had a person in it. it was <laughs> so, there were so many ingredients and it was so good. I'm not, I'm not even a huge ramen guy and it blew me away. So, Adam, this is the point where I, when I was reading the text when it came in, that, like, I kind of teared up, and I saw Ike get that second wind, and, and really, <laughs> he brought it to a next level, because this is where the average person would literally be like, I'm not doing this anymore, I feel disgusting. Uh, at this yeah. point... Ike did not go to the vomitorium. No. <laughs> Instead, he went to Caesar's Palace to have Negronis at the lobby bar. What the? I mean, really? That actually happened? I said to my wife, here we go, home stretch. We got to Caesar's, which is a real low-key type of quiet place anyways. Um, <laughs> and we got there, and they were like, hey, this bartender is going to make a Negroni. Guys, I, have, I was drunk. I was drunk. I had been drinking steadily all day. And I said, well, I don't know if I could do any booze. And this dude made me a Negroni that was so perfect. It was so great. And then I was ready to end the night. And my wife was, no, no, remember, we got to get that piece of pizza. And this is where I was like, where like literally just like organ music started playing. And like I clutched my chest. I was like, oh, oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So then what did you, like going to bed that night, were you just kind of holding your stomach and, uh, you know? Yeah, that was, we were both like, we both had like, hardcore meats and fat sweats, um, you know, both labored breathing, but we're like, okay, you know, we're in bed now. But when you don't eat that like that all the time, which you just can't, otherwise you'll, you won't exist anymore. You have a hard time going to sleep. And so we didn't get to go to sleep right away. And, uh, we ended up, uh, watching, uh, like an, like an infomercial for like, uh, Vegas karate school or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was definitely a rough night's sleep. Um, you claims you woke up the next morning on Sunday. It says in a text, and I'm not sure I believe this. It says you wanted to get a little exercise in and you did a hundred pushups. Can you do a hundred pushups? Yeah, I, I could do a hundred pushups, but <laughs> all that means is that your stomach and your, your boobs are on the same level. <laughs> That's all it really means because your boobs get a little bit bigger when you do push-ups. But when your stomach is so distended and bloated from the night before, it's not like it's not like you do 100 push-ups and you're like, yeah, I feel great. It's like you do 100 push-ups just so you know you don't you don't look like a smurf. Uh, and then apparently you went and had drinks at the Cromwell. Is that correct at 10 a.m.? <laughs> we did, we did. Look, man, I love I love a great you know super. Um, mixologist artisanal cocktail. When you go to dinner, sometimes you're almost just like, oh, it's taking too long for them to shred the crystallized ginger, blah, blah, blah. But in the morning, that, that process, it just, it just works. Like having one of those like nice, fancy cocktails in the morning is really <laughs> great. I've been doing it since I've left Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> Mixology before noon. Uh, and then you went to Jada De Laurentiis' new restaurant, Jada, and this kind of sounds genius. For breakfast, you had the carbonara pizza. It, it sounds, sounds delicious. It sounds good. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know 
how one is nominated for a Nobel Prize. I don't know if that's just like a, do you vote online? Because <laughs> that alone, that alone, carbonara pizza, which two of my favorite things, spaghetti carbonara and like a nice thin pizza, combining the two of them was just, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. I, 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 yeah, I, want, I want that every day, but instead I have oatmeal and walnuts. It was like crispy pork products, fried eggs, Parmesan cheese on there, just kind of everything you want, right? It's the four food groups. Crispy pork <laughs> products is a food group. Uh, egg yolk. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, crust and cheese. Those are the four food groups that I grew up with, being from Chicago. So it really, it really hit all four of those perfectly. So, so then after going from one celebrity chef place, you went to another, which this one was just, I, I didn't expect you to go here. I really thought when I gave you the itinerary that you'd come back and be like, dude, I love Bon Appetit and I love eating, but I, I can't do this for you. Or as they say, as the wrestler says, you, you, would, you would tap out at this point, You would correct? tap out. Yeah, you would be like, you know what? But instead you went to Guy Fieri's. I hope I rolled my R okay like he does. And then you ordered this burger, which is a picture in the story is ginormous. Like it's just oozing with bacon. There was talk. Just so you know, there was talk about tapping out or throwing in the towel. And, you know, it was a lot like... It was it was not dissimilar to Rocky, where <laughs> where Rocky, you know, being me, says to Mickey, "Get through it. It's too strong. Paulo's too strong. It's too fast." And Mickey, being my wife, only because she was like my trainer and she's a five foot Irishman, um, but she was you know she kind of took me on shoulders like, "Listen, we have to make this last stop. This is like this is this is it. This is it. If you make this, you're home free." And I, yeah, I don't think you can go to Guy Fieri's and order like just just a side of carrots, please. Just some <laughs> carrots and some celery. You have to really kind of go for it in the spirit, I think, of the story. So I asked them to bring. I said, like as a joke, make a hamburger, and they brought out this hamburger that had two patties and bacon and cheese and a rack of spare ribs and <laughs> buffalo fried mozzarella and. Uh, uh, two chicken patties on top. It was it was really insane. <laughs> to this point, you're kind of like, was it Rocky two when Rocky and Apollo Creed both basically knock each other out, but Rocky is the one <laughs> yeah. who gets up off the mat and Apollo can't? Yes, that's how Rocky two ends. You <laughs> yeah, know so you're Rocky. That's awesome. That's literally what it was like. I was the burger. I was Rocky. The burger was Apollo. <laughs> we knocked each other down, but I made it to the airport. <laughs> Oh, God. Well, Ike, God bless you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us via laptop Google Hangout from Los Angeles. Um, and everyone, please pick up the April issue of Bon Appetit Magazine and check out Ike's article, Chow in Las Vegas, or come to Vegas and join us for uh, the Vegas Uncorked Food Festival, April 23rd to 26th. We've plugged everything. Ike, you are the man. Thank you. Proud of you, Ike. You guys, thank you. And if anyone wants to pick up the magazine at Fairfield Commons in Ohio, my mom's already bought them all there. So you have to go to a different magazine shop. Uh, thank you guys so much for having me and for sending me in. You guys are the best. Keep doing it. All right. Thanks for joining us on the Bon Appetit Foodcast. If you want to check out any recipes or articles that we talked about, go to bonappetit.com. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is recorded to a digital device in the small conference room on the 36th floor of One World Trade Center in New York City. Our engineer is Mitra Kaboli, with production assistance from Bill Cushing and Kerry Polis, and is produced by Scott DeSimon. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, or at bonappetit.com.